0: Hamlet was wrong. This is The Focus Group. It's the savvy side of 9 to 5. Listen.
1: Bueller. Bueller.
0: Bueller. Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is The Focus Group with Tim Bennett. S-T-A-U-N-C-H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat
2: and clean. We're all business.
0: Except when we're not.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. Hamlet was wrong. You'll be able to catch that segment, which is a little later on our show, when we do Shop Talk to learn what that's all about. Be sure to catch us here every Wednesday at 1 p.m. East when we upload to our Focus Group uh, pages on social media, both YouTube and Facebook. And you can find out more about John and I and all of our media, which is housed At focusgroupradio.com, which also includes our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned. If you haven't listened to that yet, it's an audio-only 20-minute Get In, Get Out, uh, Tim and John podcast that comes out every Tuesday morning. And uh, thanks to our friends at Deep Discount uh, for being with us and helping to sponsor this show. And uh, we'll also share some information about them later on as well. John, I have a quick housekeeping thing. Yes, Last week I had done, I had uh Oh you saw the email a, you got the email sto- okay. we covered a story about uh a Christmas uh, or the um a Christmas story and we talked about the lamp and one of our listeners David Meltzer in Portland Oregon had corrected me I, I had talked about the writer of the original script which was a person's name Gene Shepard it was spelled G E A N so um, he had said it was a fem- It was not a female. I referred to the person as a her, and he said it was in fact a male. And he was a humorist, and uh, I did not know that. I went back and I read the story again, and they did not identify in the story which, as as a writer of somebody, um, I think a lot of people could make the mistake of Jean G E A or J-E-A-N, being female, but, but it um, was the so French, right? It was so the French for Jean. Jean, it's it's like I'd gone to a school with a woman
1: named Tim. There you go. So I I thought you. I thought you you ever met a Tim? No, not not uh, not a woman named Tim. But I thought you had gotten uh, one of our listeners, Rob, also dropped us a line saying, "Love the show," but. It's Jean, not it's not a woman, it's a man, and it's a French guy, and he he and he mentioned it was J E A N. Oh, so you, it's even Jean. I didn't even get that. It was Jean. French. It's the French. I name. should have
2: just not even mentioned it. It's
1: free. Well, you know, you I always butcher and try. You always avoid like the potholes in the road. And as you were opening the show, you did something correctly. You said uh, John and I, and it could also have been John and me, but John and me. Um, I. I've gotten some notes from folks because I I will flip it around and say me and Tim, which is not correct. But I think I finally learned it. And, you know, we've had the grammar police on our tail, which in a good way. I'm not going to complain, but you want to sound correct. So I blame it on Connecticut. We We both had the same. Yeah. Marianne talks the same way, right? Marianne and I went to college together in
2: Ohio and somebody had said that did not know that we were even from the same town. He said, I don't know. Were you and Bennett out to lunch during during grammar? (laughs) Grammar. What were they teaching in those those elementary schools and high schools? Well, we had these exp- when I think about it now. I mean, there were some of these exploratory. What were they? Um, these class these open classrooms where there was they were just some somewhat um, you went with the flow. There was no structure. It was somewhat an
1: unstructured class. Particularly discovery, self discovery, right? Self
2: discovery. We had a teacher in fifth grade that would leave for most of the morning and then come back after lunch, and we had to get up and talk about what we did as a group. Who paired off? What did you do? Some kids did nothing. Some decided to do a play. Some decided to build something. And um, so that was all, you know, why, why we say Tim and me or me and Tim or Tim and I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, uh, notes that came in. Um, Steve from Catalina, a.k.a. my brother-in-law, sent a note um, that I have got to get on the Christmas story train as soon as humanly possible. And you sent me some clips from the movie as well. It is on the agenda for this week or this weekend Most certainly, I'm going to be watching a movie I have somehow avoided. Hey, you know what else I saw over the weekend? I think it was on ABC up here, upstate, Um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And, um, you know, I got to tell you, when you look at it through the prism of all the change we've gone through and how people, um, you know, how we're supposed to treat others, et cetera, there's a lot of nasty stuff that goes on in Rudolph, right? (laughs) <laughs> well, and of course, it's all metaphor for gay life, right? It's the, the big
2: bear is going to teach the kids a little effeminate kid. And, you know, they're why all am I like such a misfit? Misfits. Yeah. yeah. We always love that about it, too. And, and uh, so how did you enjoy it? Did you watch the whole sa- watch it all the way the through,
1: comments? sang the songs. Bob just looked at me. He goes, how do you know the words? I'm like, how, how do you not know the words? Right. It's like Santa Claus is coming to town. Rudolph the Red. How do you not know the words to those songs? Because you watch them all. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. You know, exactly. put, you know, um, follow the yellow brick road, follow the yellow brick road. You know? <laughs> like we, you know, cause you watched it only once a year back in the day and it really left an impression. So.
2: And then speaking of names that get butchered, cause I was, would butcher this one, but I did go on YouTube and and see how, cause he's been a guest on our show a couple of times. Um, uh, Augustin Burroughs. Mm-hmm. He has a new book. Well, it's in paperback. It's his latest book, toil and trouble. And I started reading it and, um. He's written many, many books. I'm a fan of his. This is a, a, a memoir, Toil and Trouble, and uh, came out in 2019, late 2019. What I I'm amazed that as, as many stories as he's told, that some of these have not come out. But do you, do you know he now says he's a witch?
1: <laughs> okay, so <laughs> y, you, you and I see you take a deep breath. Well, you and I fell in love with him with Running with Scissors. You know, a, a book that, television, I believe, was his first book, and, and we we interviewed him back in our XM days, XM radio, right. and he said that after that book got sold, he was sitting in his apartment patiently waiting for the Brinks truck to pull up so the bags of money could start being thrown out the back door for all the money you're going to make as an author. Then Running With Scissors happened, and it was optioned for a movie, the whole bit. The one that was after that was Wolf at the Table. Is that possible?
2: Yeah, there was dry. and that, and mean, that there was, was so many of
1: them. some kind of interesting, and then there was that uh, self-help guide book, or, you know, yep. and then, so as an author, I feel I've always loved him, and I loved his stories about being in advertising, and he was a wonderful guest to interview, but I have not read more of him, and I wonder if that's the case with many of us, with some authors, they hit, there's that one book that goes, you know, to orbit, stratospheric, and then Others just don't kind of reach that critical mass, right?
2: Well, I read a lot of reviews about this. And then I went to, the. so I'm down in Delaware. So I went to an independent bookstore called
1: Browse About Books because I wanted to support them. So they had one copy. So I purchased it. That's kind of like a store up by us called Random Harvest. One pepper, one cucumber, one onion. (laughs) Random Harvest,
2: right? Anyway. So I supported my local bookstore and I bought the book. I thought, I'll read it. And I started and I fell asleep twice just getting through, trying to get through four or five pages because... As I started reading it, I thought, oh, my goodness, gosh, you know, now he's a witch. And um, <laughs> talking about— Calling on Dr. Witch. Bombay, Dr. Bombay. Well, Remember the one time he was on and said he killed somebody? Remember he was on the show yes. Killed Somebody? Yeah. yeah, I remember that, yeah. But doesn't really remember it. I'm like, I would think that would be a pretty formative thing.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you a question about reading. Because you said something that uh, was like a tripwire for me. Are you reading before you go to sleep or are you reading just during the day?
2: Um, this, I started the afternoons and, but sometimes in the afternoon I'm tired anyway, but I, I, I don't, um, no, I haven't read in bed and I, uh, I was reading on the, on the sofa and then I went outside a little bit on the porch and read because it was so nice this weekend with the weather, but, uh, no, I haven't read. And I thought of getting the book on Kindle or, or the, uh, you know, Apple books or whatever the iBook thing. Because I thought with it might be easier for me to just have that rather than the type. I'm I'm able to read it with my glasses on, but um, so yeah, they the, had good reviews.
1: The reason it's, I asked David
2: Sedaris, I wanted to to read more
1: of his stuff, and I haven't. But Sedaris, uh, definitely yes. Um, although some of the latest pieces have been repackaged collections of his famous right. short stories. But the reason I ask about what time of day you're reading is like, um, I find lately that that if i'm reading news which we know articles have a certain length right they're going to be a two-minute read or whatever anything longer than that lately i actually find myself getting very relaxed and lulled and my eyes start drooping and that's not like me even art books like i have a beautiful art book i'm reading now about um a movie that i love that and it's all the behind the scenes stuff and I'll read a few pages and then my head does this thing where I'm, <laughs> oh yeah, well, come, come, fly. And then and suddenly I'm like, okay, I can't read this. And that's weird. That's weird for me. I wonder if my brain's been rewired by all this little nugget stuff that we get all day long, little, the little packets of information and they're small and they're quick and anything longer that takes more attention, I'm going to fall asleep.
2: Yeah, and you have to be, I, I was excited to get into this and start it. I mean, hopefully it, it gets better as I go along because it, it did have great reviews, but you know, I don't know if it's all going to do with the fact of him proving that he's a witch. Apparently, he sees things before they happen. Toil, toil, boil, and trouble.
1: <laughs> By the pricking what of my thumbs, something called, wicked toil, this trouble.
2: way comes. He's a witch.
1: if you see. I don't know if you see there. It is there. Toil and trouble. Oh, my God. So, he's really using the boil, boil, toil, and trouble. Yeah. Uh-oh. Okay. He's a witch. He's a witch. So, we'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll keep you posted. There you go. Okay.
2: <laughs> so what what caught your eye this week, Mr. Nash? What caught your eye? Here's what
0: Tim and John found.
1: Uh, a product that you and I uh, have seen <laughs> for years and we've puzzled uh, we've puzzled about it, right? And and uh, uh, several months ago, apparently George Clooney was on one of the uh one of the evening talk shows and he commented that during the event he was happily cutting his own hair with a Slobe. And I thought about it, and I'm like the Flowbee. and then it, it came back up again. And it turns out that uh, the Flowbee, because Clooney mentioned it again, gave it a shout out. It's completely sold out. So the headline read: Flowbees completely sold out after George Clooney shout out. Ever he's since he's runner
2: over his beard, I didn't know he had that beard. Look at how that's right a, is that beard? Yeah,
1: that's an older picture. Actually, he's not sporting that now because he's getting ready for a press tour for a Netflix movie. He directed a sci-fi film. Mm-hmm. Ever since George Clooney revealed he cuts his own hair with a do-it-yourself device famous for its old infomercials, people have been going with the Flowbee so much, you know, they've been going crazy buying it. Troy Hunts, the vice president of Flowbee, told TMZ where I got this from, the actor's public shout-out in support of the product last week resulted in sales going up tenfold. And its website was so overloaded, a lot of customers weren't able to complete their orders. (laughs) Uh, Hunt says Floby had already been a boost, had seen a boost in 2020 compared to recent years due to the event with barbershops and hair salons closed, but that uptick was nothing compared to what he's calling the Clooney effect. (laughs) The Floby VP tells us they're completely sold out and will be at least two to four weeks before they can get supply back up to meet demand. As for the Clooney boom, Hunt says it was a huge surprise because the company hasn't worked with him before and didn't even know he was a customer. So that's the kind of... um, that's the kind of shout out that companies love because they're not working with him as like a right an influence or something. He just basically said, Yeah, I cut my hair with a flow bee. But let's recap this for people who might not know what the flow bee is. It's some kind of vacuum cleaner thing that sucks your hair up and then there's blades that are at certain levels yeah, hook it to your
2: vacuum. <laughs> So so there you go, you're you're just saying you hook
1: it to, you know about, so what's
2: going on? Well, yeah, we were friends of mine in college got them, you know, half in the bag. You came back from downtown drinking and they'd order these things and these infomercials and they order this one guy, Tom ordered the Floby. his hair was a wreck. It would, It it, so it, you put it on the, the end of the nozzle and the blades, as you said, spin and then you put it in different, there's different sizes and you run it. So maybe the side of your head, you want to do a certain length and then the top, similar to what you would do with clippers, but you can't get it right. And, um, so Clooney's always had this kind of short hair all around his head. So I would think for him, maybe it's pretty simple, but for most people, the, the, this guy's hair would get tangled. It would pull, he'd scream. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd always thought it was a joke. Back it it going. a joke. I didn't know it was still around. I'm shocked when you, you found this story. I didn't know that they were still making the floby.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's, what a, are we doing wrong? Well, I don't know what we're doing wrong because, well, first, Maybe we're doing things right. I would never s- assume to, to create a device that hooked up to my vacuum cleaner and then had blades at one end <laughs> that sucked my hair up and then cut it to a certain length. I mean, I've been cutting my hair for years, but then it's a crew cut, so you can't really go wrong with that. And, you know, our friend Brian from AdMark 360 basically walked me through that. Okay, don't be scared, dude. Start with the l- biggest number uh got the guard that goes on the clippers and go down to the smallest go around your head you'll be done in like 10 minutes and it's never been a problem i agree with you
2: one size do you keep it at one length
1: no i actually do the sides a little shorter than the top so there is a little artistry although you know you would never know in fact folks that you know i'll say to bob i cut my hair what do you think oh it looks the same as it did like a day ago a week (laughs) ago a year ago how often do you cut it once a week oh good for you keep it clean and neat Jeez! I,
2: yeah, So this is this Floppy thing. I I'm shocked. <laughs> A that it's still around, and and I uh, wonder B, what it costs. It reminds me. Remember we had the shake weight. We did the shake weight when Paul Hagen was on. And do you
1: still have your shake weight? I recently donated it to uh, the Salvation Army or the Goodwill and the Thrift Store, and um, I tried it out again. And I thought, oh my god, I can't believe we fell for this. <laughs> we were we were all going to lose twenty pounds in two days, shaking shake, our weight, wa- shaking shake, our so. way to thinner bodies. The shake weight, and and. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's like the gazelle like the limister, you know all that stuff <laughs> the gazelle that guy going back you and gotta forth Come up with something nash come
2: on you're very smart you're very creative i'd like something i'd like i want you to in the next 30
1: days you're got to come up with something i'd like to come up with something that's somewhere between a pet rock and a floby yeah i don't know what that is yet but it's got to be as simple as picking up something off the dirt in the street and put in a box of straw and selling it for 9.99 or the vacuum thing that sucks your hair up and the blades. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's come up with the pet something, right? There's probably the pet leaf,
2: the pet wood. That's probably all been, been run through. You know, Bob was what?
1: asking me about um, gifts for some of his coworkers. And being that everybody's inside, it's going to be a kind of a long winter as we wait for, um, you know, the vaccines to be distributed. And even then, it's going to take time to unwind all this. I said, you should buy them like a high-end version of Sea Monkeys. Remember the Sea Monkeys? was though weren't those brine shrimp or something you would put in water and you'd watch them grow? Yeah, I don't think that's a good a good gift. <laughs> <ketchup. laughs> How about magic rocks or I something? Up up the to toilet.
0: <laughs> sea monkeys? Are you kidding
1: I, that, me? I just thought, hey, maybe you could buy like a home tomato garden for your windowsill or something, you know, whatever. But I went to an see, ant farm. Maybe an ant farm. Ant farm could be fun to watch. They're very <laughs> industrious creatures, right? <laughs> anyway, what caught your eye? <laughs>
2: Well, you can get them a ceramic tree. (laughs) That's what caught your eye. So we had talked about this on the show about how my grandmother had one, how easy Christmas was. You just plug it in. And Mm -hmm. so as we talked about it, it's almost as if our social media or whatever listens to us because all these stories started popping up in my feed about the ceramic trees. So one of them came from Martha Stewart. And essentially it says your ceramic Christmas tree figurines may be worth hundreds of dollars online. And so this was a Martha Stewart living, which I didn't even know still existed. So I was clicking around on the TV and I actually did come across the old Martha Stewart shows from, you know, two thousand three, four, five, six, seven. Um, Obviously, there was a gap when she was unfortunately detained. When she had the but, ankle break, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> detained. Nice way of saying it. Detained. But boy, <laughs> those
2: don't hold up. No. Have you watched any of those old shows?
1: I saw one. I was one. shocked
2: about how poor the camera work was. And she'd be saying something like, oh, you cut this out, and then the camera would not even be anywhere near her cutting it out. And then you paste it on here, and the camera would be off again, and another angle would be blurry. Um, I was shocked about how poor the camera work was. Maybe we're just used to them having gotten so much better in the last five or six years with tech, with uh, doing these craft shows and stuff. But watching her try to make a souffle or whatever she was doing, I, I actually did want to see what she was doing, and half the time the camera was in the wrong place. But, um, so I, so the story popped, so I went there to look and then the story was on her page and it says that, um, it seems that these Christmas trees, these ceramic trees from the seventies are in very hot demand, but you have to get them before December and you have to get them sometime around November, December, or you're not going to get them. Or if you find them earlier, you'll get them for less money. So this was, if you had one and you wanted to sell it. So what do you think they're selling for
1: on, on eBay or some of these places?
2: Is it a it's a As is it a, guess. a guessable
1: number? Is it a crazy number? I think it's guessable. I don't think it's too outrageous. I'm going to say seventy five bucks. They're around two hundred.
2: Wow, that's actually so far if, more
1: surprising to me than seventy five bucks.
2: Yeah, they said if you have these, and they said if you could pick them up at a at a at thrift market or a tag sale or something, or, or you can get them in July ish, you know, or spring when people have these these things out, Christmas things. They said the ones that twinkle are the ones that have the snow on them or play music certainly are worth more money, but anybody who tries to get one now, if you were in December trying to get one, that's when the prices go up, but they do drop dramatically after Christmas more so than other, other items. And they said that, um, or the suggestion of course from Martha was, or don't sell it and just bring it out and plug it in and tell a story about your aunt or grandmother or mother <laughs> or whoever had this. and That's the best gift of all. And, uh, she, she says, it has emo- the the gift has emotional value which is the best gift at all and it has gossamer
1: wings now gossamer was one of the words we had that was a was one beautiful of the most word beautiful in words in the english language yeah uh you have one i know my mom has one my grandmother had one right yeah and and they do come out and i've always loved these things because it's a tree Plug do you have one
2: up do you have one now currently out
1: or no no it would defy the bob's christmas so christmas is segmented in the city there are two trees one is the john science fiction star wars and star trek tree with all these hallmark ornaments from all the years yoda darth vader all these ships star trek stuff then there's bob's liberace tree and then up here at the house we have bob's traditional christmas which looks more like one of these ceramic trees but it's real it's all the blown glass it's the whole bit and and he just put the train set up underneath which is actually kind of fun and cool
2: what if you were to get one of these ceramic trees and plug? Oh, it he in? Oh, he'd probably put north? it up. This would be allowed because it's classic, it's traditional. Okay, so that's so. There's a classic Christmas up north, and there's a modern Christmas. Christmas in the city, city yeah, An urban Christmas. Okay, well that's pretty good then. <laughs> I, uh, but I laughed because it, it was a little too. Odd. I don't know what the word, right word is. We've talked about these algorithms, but the fact that all of a sudden these ceramic trees are popping into popping my up. feet, I just thought was 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 weird. So that's what had caught my eye. Our business birthday today is uh, something we've never done before. Hold on, and
0: everyone does celebrity birthday greetings. But the oh, focus forgot. group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays.
1: This does need the intro because you did a great one today, Tim. This is a good b business birthday.
2: Well, so happy seventy-six to Yosemite Sam, or as our president <laughs> called him, Yosemite um, Yosemite Sam. But but uh, and probably that. Uh, so there's a couple things so Yosemite Sam the cartoon character uh, voiced by Mel Blanc um and uh he celebrates his 76th birthday as I said born December 16th 1944 is when he debuted and of course has gone through a number of a number of um
1: of changes along the way
2: I did not know he had a full name
1: neither did I what is the full name
2: So I I was going to give this to you to put on the put on the slide, but uh, we know him as Yosemite Sam. His full name is Samuel Michelangelo Rosenbaum.
1: (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) That's
2: what it says, Yosemite Sam. His occupation. This is why we picked him for Business Birthday. He was a prospector, a cowboy, a sailor. He was a gunslinger. He was a knight. He was a royal cook. He was a prison guard. He was a duke. He was a mercenary. He was a Confederate soldier, a mountain climber, a Viking, an Arab, a golfer, an Indian chief, a sailor, and a space alien. So he's quite a career. Career is plural. <laughs> and he apparently couldn't hold down a job. They, uh, so we all know him as, uh, you know, they said his name was taken from the Yosemite National Park. And he was created because they felt um, he was an adversary to Bugs Bunny. And they said he was created because they felt that Elmer Fudd was too nice. And so they wanted somebody with more of a hair trigger and an edge to him. And they said that you uh, <laughs> said wait, wait, Sam wait. was a hair trigger and an edge to trigger. him. How well said, right? Said he's commonly depicted as an extremely aggressive, gunslinging, uh, uh, gunslinging grumpy um, uh, character that with hatred of rabbits and, and had a hair trigger. His demeanor was fiery. He uh, always lost his temper, strident voice, short stature. And just uh, very, very grumpy. And I laughed when I saw this because they, they go through then the whole issues of how he was developed and, and how they have trying to modernize him. And they said that recently in the early 2000s there was a movie. I didn't know these things were still on. I guess these Looney Tunes movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, there was one called You've Got Hate Mail. And Daffy Duck accidentally sent, sent a angry uh, email to Yosemite Sam. So he decided to change his ways and pre- he proceeded to shave he sold his cowboy clothes. He became a very normal suburbanite. However, it all went south when he went to an annoying book club meeting and then he reverted back to his old ways. They said he's also known to have a lot of cats in his house. I didn't know
1: that either. <laughs> I love the backstory. That animators and writers give the characters, but what a what a well realized character, right? When I'm looking at his picture, um, it's basically the it's the beer, it's the mustache and the eyes really define yeah. him, right? And that mustache got him into all kind of trouble. It would get caught in things, and
2: I didn't know he holy play- Napoleon complex. He had, and mm-hmm. and then and then the other funny thing is they said re- recently he's been compared to 45. Uh, Trump, because they said that um, there's been a lot of comment or, or commentary on the different news shows that said that the Biden-Trump debate was akin to the chaos that Yosemite Sam would create with Bugs Bunny. So that <laughs> so that Biden was Bugs Bunny, and they said Trump acted like Yosemite Sam and those, uh, you know, slinging the guns, bang 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 bang, bang complain, grump, you know, yell and scream, fiery hair trigger. So question Yosemite for you: Sam.
1: Do you think all the other um, uh, the pantheon of characters like uh, Foghorn Leghorn, Marvin the Martian, do you think they all have birthdays like 70 Sam? They must have days where they, th- th- I guess they're using his birthdays this time he first debuted in one of the cartoons, right?
2: Yeah, so they say his So his first debut was December 16th, 1944, so that would be his, you know, his birth date, I guess. Um, or I used it as his birth date 76 years ago. There was another character that um, did pop up when I was looking for birthdays and it was the, um, of course I'll say her name wrong, but it was, so the woman who owned Tweety, Tweety bird and Sylvester, the cat, the the old lady, right? It was her birthday a couple months ago, but she didn't really have a career, you know? So I looked, I looked and I thought, well, is this going to be a stretch? And actually I thought you, somebody, Sam might be a stretch, Mm -mm. but I did laugh when I looked at all
1: the different jobs
2: he had. And I thought, well, these, he certainly had a, certainly had a number of business, uh, business uh That's jobs a, or careers along the way
1: i'd say so it's a good business it's, it's one of my i when you sent it over for me to incorporate the graphics i just bust out laughing and that made me think of foghorn leghorn one of my, fo- yep. my dad i say i say i say whoa boy i say whoa but my one of my dad's favorite characters growing up you know they all do they all do have a date you know whether it's, it's a, debu- the, the a debut a debut date. Turns. okay yeah they all have a debut date and uh you
2: know that'd be a funny thing to do one time but i i just i always like this character um and I don't know why. I mean, there were certain characters. Of course, you liked it. All and these I characters the are great. Devil. I used to like the Tasmanian Devil too. I just to like to thought the Tasmanian Devil was funny. But um,
1: yeah. <laughs> remember, when Tasmanian Devil would go through a tree, and the thing that would, or a a rock, and all that was left was the exact shape of that <laughs> tornado that he was. But the little grooves and stuff. I mean, it's so brilliant. <laughs>
2: And then, uh, yeah, so uh, Yosemite Sam, or as our our president would call him, Yosemite Sam. Yosemite Sam, Sam. yeah. So, uh, hey, many of you know that uh, Deep Discount's a friend of ours here on the Focus Group, and they've been with us uh, on the show for quite some time, and we appreciate their support of us. And uh, all of you who support them by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Deep Discount logo, there's lots of great things to shop for and uh, the ability to own your passion, which is their tagline. And uh, aside from uh, DVDs and movies and and music, there's all kinds of other things to explore in their site. So we invite you to go to Focus Group Radio and start exploring at Deep Discount. So Mr. Nash, any last-minute gift ideas you came across this week?
1: I would highly recommend the following. Um, And I had not been aware that this was also available on Criterion, which tells you that as a comedy, this is definitely up there. You and I are big fans of Matthew Broderick. I'm also a huge fan of Reese Witherspoon. And do you remember the movie Election? You know, I don't. Oh, (laughs) Reese Witherspoon plays Tracy Flick and she wants and she's on she gets on the nerves of Jim McAllister, played by Matthew Broderick, and she wants to run for president of student council. He does not want her to win. It is a hysterical Bob and I love this movie. It's a lot of fun. So it's Perky Overachieving Tracy Flick gets on the nerves of history teacher Jim McAllister to begin with. But after she launches her campaign for high school president and his personal life starts to fall apart, things spiral out of control. It is it is a very, very funny movie. A little bit of a dark comedy, but I highly recommend Election. Is this one
2: that you saw in a theater originally?
1: We did, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I have not seen it on TV too often, and I can tell you if it's on uh, Blu-ray and it's from Criterion, it's going to look fantastic. And Matthew Broderick, they both turn in amazing performances, and it's a great cast, but I think you would really, really find it funny. So my recommendation yeah. for a gift is Election from Criterion. I love that because I, I like uh, I like Matthew
2: Broderick, so I'm, I'm surprised mm-hmm. that one. Uh, although I was kind of missing during that, that time frame 99. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you? <laughs> I, you know, I I think about it. A lot of people talk to me about TV shows and all kinds of things. I have no idea. I didn't watch a thing. I didn't really watch a lot of TV or do any mm-hmm. media stuff. I don't know what I was doing. I'm trying to figure it out. It was out. I was out. I was eating. I was you need doing therapy something. or something to figure that one out, right? Yeah. So I had picked... Um, I love documentaries, and uh, as it was going through the last-minute uh, gift idea section, this had popped up, and it reminded me a little bit of my roommate in college. It's uh, it's called the British Invasion Five Document uh, Five Documentary Collection, and uh, it it does it goes through a collection of um, documentaries of the British Invasion, meaning the um, rock bands that we all know well: the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and the Who. And uh, my roommate was a huge fan of this sort of music. And of course, a lot of people were. And so there's these five documentaries, you can get them uh, through Deep Discount. It's a three disc set. And it goes through kind of the genesis of a lot of the bands and some of the the people involved, and uh, how they exploded in popularity and so forth. So I'd recommend the British Invasion.
1: It's uh, a, it's such a nice compliment for the fact that so much of our early lives were dictated by not just the rock that was you know, all the different styles of music that were coming out of the UK, right? All yep. the way up until New Wave, and so this this is a good one. I, I you you really find some fun stuff for for recommendations. Congratulations! And it was just released in August of
2: twenty twenty, so it's it's, uh, it's probably not something that yeah. So it's new. So if you wanted to get that as a gift, and uh, the DVD is under under twenty bucks, but of course it comes in a number of formats. Uh, if you check it out at deep discount,
1: and what's our uh, what's okay. our release? This week? The new release this week is a movie that was eagerly anticipated, um, it's uh, called Tenet, and it stars David uh, John David Washington, which is actually Denzel Washington's son, and if you remember him, you might have seen him in uh, Black Klansman. He played the, uh, the black detective, who was uh, out in Colorado Springs at, at the time period it took place, and Michael Caine's in the movie. This is a movie by Christopher Nolan, um, who has given us some amazing uh, mind-bending films, Inception being one of them. So this was this was really anticipated. And then the event happened and theaters closed. It was released briefly in theaters, uh, but it didn't get the kind of box office it should have because it was made to be a big, big film. And I'll All read right. the description here. Armed with only one word, Tenet and fighting for the survival of the entire world, the protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. So the movie plays with this whole alternate universe, some things, it's, I'm gonna not butcher it and not describe it too much, but just say, I highly recommend it. It did get good reviews. I suspect that had it been in the theaters a little longer it might have d- done differently um but a lot of people liked it it's a it's a mind bender you got to pay attention to a lot of things when when a christopher nolan movie particularly this one but you know you... you make
2: you make a good point i wonder if the i wonder what the challenge will be this year due to the event with so much of the because movie theaters have been closed right mm-hmm. so in terms of people seeing these sort of media are trying to get uh oscar nominations or so
1: forth i wonder. I wonder how that's going to affect things. Do you think it'll hurt hurt the business overall or? Oh, it's definitely hurting the business. But yeah. um, what's helping the business is streaming and a bunch of things and then Warner Media recently announced that all new movies that they're releasing will simultaneously release at the box office and on mm. HBO Max which It's like, ah, boy, I don't know about that. And uh, Of course, now Warner is the villain of Hollywood. People are pissed off about that. But anyway, Tenet is the new release. So let's recap for you folks. Uh, It's a last-minute gift-giving here at uh, Deep Discount. Here's the the homepage. Um, I picked a movie to recommend as a gift called Election, starring uh, Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon. Uh, Comedy, hilarious, uh, came out in, what was it, 99? 99. 99, yeah. yeah. And it just... It, really well done. Good movie. Uh, Tim recommended one I've never heard of. It's five documentaries packaged into a new release called The British Invasion. The Who, The Beatles, all about you know different... Ro- actually, it looks like it's Rolling Stones and Beatles Rolling oriented. Yep. Um, and then the release this week is Tenet, which stars John David Washington and directed by Christopher Nolan. This film was a, a must... It was going to be a must-see before the event. I still think on Blu-ray it's going to be a... A wonderful film to see. So uh, check that out. So that was our deep discount segment. We're going to take a super quick break. And when we return, we have two very quick shop talks, but I think you'll love them. So uh, we'll be right back after this quick break.
0: You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with the Focus Group. And in business a week, I got more money and I know what to do with. Listen, laugh, and learn with Tim and John. Herrera
2: Rocher. Hey, he is doing well. Oh, and welcome back to the Focus Group. Or as our friends, our bilingual friends would say, O Grupo de Enfoque. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, John.
1: I'm trying to think of what it would be in French. <laughs> don't don't ask. Right, I'll figure it out later. Well,
2: it would be, be however you say group and then focus. I don't know. So I, I typed it in. I typed it in Google, for the the focus group, and uh, that's what it came out. El grupo de enfoque.
1: We should open the show every week with a different language. Type it in for German, <laughs> get French, get Italian. Could you imagine? And if we pronounced it correctly, that would even be more to our, our, our appeal.
2: Well, back in the day when we were at uh, XM Radio, they had some great imaging. They had the best imaging at XM before we went over to Sirius XM. But XM had some great imaging for us. Which uh, there was one actually in Spanish, which was hilarious.
1: Which you were uh, in the you were the inspiration for that. So, imaging just for listeners, um, imaging refers to all that stuff you just heard, music and voiceover and st- like you know uh, the opening of a TV show or something. But with radio and talk and uh, podcasting, it's all audio. And Tim had said to the the engineer that was doing the imaging done at XM. <laughs> he said, let's make it like a phone system. And you know, when you call phone systems, it's like press one for English, press two for Spanish, whatever. And someone, they pulled in someone off the floor of XM who spoke Spanish, and they made him say, you know, like, press yeah, number two.
2: That's great. Yeah. Espanol, that's it, that's it. Press number two, yeah. <laughs> it was fun. So hey, welcome uh, welcome back to the show. This is Tim Bennett here with John Nash, of course. And uh, in our tease when we opened the show, we said Hamlet was wrong. And uh, that came from a a story written or a piece written um, related to Malcolm Gladwell. And many of you know him as doing a number of books. I I think Tipping Point is probably his most Mm -hmm. famous, isn't it? Yep, it is. And um, so he's a a futurist um, that talks about business and does a number of business books and probably in our day, probably the most uh, prolific and uh, listened to um, as it relates to business and work and career. But uh, so his whole deal was to say these three unusual words, and he says, um, which is, "Hamlet was wrong." And he says, "It separates those who achieve and those who just daydream." And uh, I could have highlighted this whole article there were, <laughs> I did there were,
1: I did exactly what you're talking about. I am, everything's bold on my sheet
2: here. <laughs> right? Because there were so many takeaways, but essentially, you know, I, I think it was, you, know, s- s- stop, stop thinking and start doing. And 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 how and how Hamlet used to just constantly um, commiserate or just spend so much time um, trying to just overanalyze things.
1: So Malcolm Gladwell and, actually picked that up from an, a renowned economist named Albert Hirschman, and Hirschman yeah. says, according to Hirschman, not knowing the future shouldn't hold you back. Not knowing the future should free you. So it's impossible to know how things will work out. Why worry? Why hesitate? Take a shot. Take a chance. Do what makes sense. And he was referring to the Hamlet was wrong is because Hamlet was obsessed with figuring out the the thing to do. What's the right thing to do? So I highlighted a bunch of stuff like we analyze, we evaluate, we play out scenarios, we think and ponder and dwell, and oftentimes don't actually do anything. Um, or because no matter how hard you try, there's no way to truly know what will happen. So how can you stop? So how can you stop overthinking and start doing according to Gladwell? Just say Hamlet was wrong.
2: Right. So, and Hamlet was an overthinker, classic overthinker. He analyzed, he evaluated, he pondered, he dwelled, he agonized and made his life miserable. Now, John, sometimes you could be a little hamlet don't you think?
1: This is why this article appealed to me.
2: Because um, <laughs> you do, you do not that it's wrong, but a lot of times you do really, really put a lot of
1: thought into Too much, into much, too much. Be- and and I feel after reading this, and I hope uh, people get something good out of this discussion as well, is um, Gladwell says, this belief we have that the future is knowable is crazy. People need to have the freedom to, to take more chances. Even better, you need to feel free to take more chances because you never know, blah, blah, blah. But that's the whole point is in business and in career, we try to make decisions based on how we think the flow is going to be, what two days is going to look like, what five days from now, but but really what they're saying is the more time you put into that, the less time you're actually doing something and the future will unravel the way it's supposed to unfold is better word. Um, so, the, the what is it? Um, paralysis by analysis would be my, right. my summation of this whole thing is do not get caught in the trap of thinking for one moment you know what that next week or month is going to be. Because if you asked people on February 15th what November 10th of 2020 was going to resemble, do you think anybody— would have said yeah. we're going to be in this or that, or there's going to be this event happening. The, so this is, I think the, the convergence of this story and our, our, the times we're in uh, it makes perfect sense, right?
2: Yeah, the, and the takeaway at the end was you can't know the future, so don't try. Bet in yourself, do what you think makes sense today. Do what you feel is right today. While you can never be certain your hard work will pay off, you can be certain that thinking instead of doing will never pay off. And so, you know, I, I will say I, I, I kind of gave us a pat on the back, though, because you and I with the show we have over the years, every year picked one thing we would do differently, whether we went. Remember, you and I had done the show on the yeah. AM channel in New York or we had done we had started podcasting way before podcasting was was popular or we did a series called Casual Fridays, which was a scripted um, scripted uh, 10 series uh, show we did with Paul Hagan. And so you and I have done a lot of, I think, um, pivots, I I guess, for lack of a better word. But we try to do something different each year to try to either
1: Mm, garner
2: more advertisers or to try to grow the show. And so I I thought there were cases where we did not overanalyze because – You never know what's going to work sometimes, right?
1: Lightning in a bottle. And you nailed it on the head. So Gladwell actually finishes his article by talking about why these three words, Hamlet was wrong, is so important to successful people. And he says, successful people work harder first. They worry about promotion later. Successful businesses deliver greater value first. That's how they earn higher revenue. And successful entrepreneurs work harder first before any potential return is seen. And that's how they earn bigger payoffs. And so he, some, some, the summation is successful people see compensation as a reward for excellent effort, not the driver. And you can't know the future, so don't try. I thought that was a really, and, you, and it goes to your point, Tim, of saying, what are we going to do different this year? Let's try this. Okay, what are we going to spend? We're going to spend this. And then you, you don't overanalyze. You don't overthink it. You put it out there. And who knows? It could be really successful, right? Right. Well, and, and you and I have done that over the,
2: and we're talking about doing it again, of course, as we move into 2021. So, but to good advice. I thought that was a great article. I, I was initially, I thought Hamlet was wrong. What was, what was, you know, how does that relate? And then of course, when you look at the history of Hamlet, you realize what, uh, what Gladwell was saying. So I thought that was a great story.
1: You know, the trick though, for me is remembering this piece of advice. And you know you've had to talk me off the ledge on multiple occasions where I get so into the loop of overthinking something that I can't even see the forest through the trees. So it's hard to step back and say, wait a minute, I can't can't figure this out. Let's just do it. You and I had this uh, situation arise with a a client of ours recently where we had to figure out a a way of of doing something and, and settling something up. And at the end of the day, you and I are taking a leap of faith on something because we really don't know the future, and no matter what right. you and all the mechanisms we were trying to use to guarantee a particular path to success or the future, they were all fraught with. It's like going to Vegas, you know. Uh, I don't pu- know. I'll put it on five red, spin the wheel, <laughs> right?
2: right? And you want to be able to trust people, and yeah. you want to expect people to have integrity, and all those other issues that come along. That uh, sadly, sadly, what what what, is, what what was the one one quote we used to like was uh, expectations are nothing but. Uh, a foundation for disappointment.
1: That's one something. you taught me. An ex- something to yeah. that effect. No, that is it. It's it's uh, expectations are the foundations of disappointment. And because yeah. if you expect, if you don't, t- yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so and then this other, John, I found this other uh, quick story here. Stanford researchers say age bias is wrong in these 10 states. And essentially they had talked to, uh, uh, they had done a survey, was the, um, I believe it was the Stanford University and Michigan State yep. had done this study with eight hundred thousand participants, and they looked at where there was age bias um, within the U.S. in
1: terms of career or job. Were you surprised by the? If you want, you want to run through the. I'll run through, through the this. The, these are the states. I'm going to list the states with the most age bias, and they're one to one to fourteen. I think New Jersey, Connecticut, Mississippi, South Carolina, New York, Florida, North Carolina, Georgia louisiana and maryland i'm i'm i am sort of surprised by the mix in in other words i wouldn't be surprised by a new york or new jersey or even for that matter a north carolina given all the pharma research down, you know research triangle a lot of interesting businesses down in north carolina um but then again on the flip side um (sighs) Yeah, so I was just surprised by that, and Louisiana and Maryland popping up, and Mississippi. That was a surprise to me. Was that was that your? Yeah, take? what,
2: what, and, and that's exactly. So it, it was funny because when I read that list too, I thought, okay, it's going to be the Northeast and probably the West Coast. Uh,
1: I right. just thought big,
2: big, bigger. You know, areas, they would have the yeah. most age bias, and to me, I couldn't really see any similarity. Connecticut, New Jersey, obviously, and New York have a similarity. Maybe Florida, but the other ones to me were a surprise. And then when you look at the states with the least age bias, they were. Uh, Utah, Alaska, Colorado, Washington, Nebraska, Oregon, Arkansas, Idaho, Nevada, and Vermont. And I thought, well, maybe you could cluster those as being more rural, right? They you know, have a more rural population.
1: I read the probably ne-
2: a wider population.
1: Um, possibly, but I read the when I looked at Nevada as one of the least age biased uh, states, I immediately thought of the city of Las Vegas. And I've always been, uh, every time we've ever been to Vegas, I've always been surprised by the wide range of ages that work at the casinos and the big hotels. It's everybody from some kids in their you know, teens, first job in their 20s, all the way up to people that had been working for some of these organizations well into their 50s or 60s. And it just seems like a really interesting and great group of talent, age notwithstanding. So I um, Nevada made sense to me for at least age bias. Colorado was a bit surprising, um, but everything else kind of lined up here. Uh, it's the states with the most that was the the one that was a head scratcher for me.
2: Right. And then they broke it down even further to countries. And so,
1: not surprisingly, the least age
2: biased countries uh, were Asian for the most part uh, Japan, China, Korea, India, and then Brazil. But, uh, and that's we all know that the Asian population actually has a strong respect for very, elders. Yeah, very much and, so. And uh, the elderly population. And then, with in terms of states that are in terms of countries where they did find bias, um, and I don't know how they found these, but um or how how they how they uh, came up with a list other than all the same criteria. But it it didn't it seemed a little bit ah uh, I don't know. was it a hodgepodge view, Germany, Ireland, South Africa, australia, the u s yes,
1: that's you, you know, yes, hodgepodge correct. Because if you're going to tell me Germany and Ireland, um, have problems with age bias why wouldn't you mention the possibilities of the uk spain france i mean because they're all part of the eu right All in yeah. portugal yeah <laughs> so you know the the uh, one of the researchers finished the article by saying older adults are one of the only stigmatized groups that we all become part of someday and that's always struck me as interesting that we would treat so poorly a group of people that we're destined to become someday <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, what you know what a great what a you know how much more can you say about that, right?
2: Yeah, no, that summed it up. I thought that was a, a
1: perfect comment of, that's the one thing we
2: all have in common, right? We're all gonna age. Well, but that one
1: that one goes hand in hand with, I was talking to um, a guy one day who was a uh, a lawyer. Um, this is years ago, it was a bike ride I was on. He was a legal advocate for the disabled, and he worked with states and municipalities to, to make things more accessible, et cetera. And he said, you know, um, disability is something that can affect any of us in three seconds flat. And he goes, you could go from being a normal, productive individual to being disabled in seconds. An accident happens, you fall off a ladder, whatever. And he goes, and the fact that our culture does not even acknowledge that, that 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 is a reality, because he was fighting for rights, et cetera. And that kind of dovetails into this, that we're gonna grow, if you grow, if you're lucky enough to grow old and still be in the workforce, you should be treasured. (laughs) I say treasured, right?
2: Oh, very much so.
1: So there you go, good, folks. Good
2: articles there, Mr. Nash.
1: Thank you. It's a dive. Again, I could read this stuff without going to sleep. It's novels lately that are <laughs> <laughs> causing me all sorts of trouble. So we want to thank you for joining us today, and a big thank to Deep Discount. It's the last-minute gift sale going on over at Deep Discount. Get there by going to focusgroupradio.com, clicking on the shark logo called Sharky. Arr, Sharky. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, start your shopping away. I picked um, Election, which is available on Criterion. It's Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon. Tim, what did you pick again? It was called The British, the British Invasion 5 Documentary Five Collection. All in collection. one great DVD. And the new release this week is Tenet on Blu-ray. It's a, I, it's a Christopher Nolan film. I highly recommend it. It would be a great thing to watch during the holidays when you have some time off. So again, thank you for making time to join uh, Tim and I today and uh, subscribe, like, and rate us. Focusgroupradio.com, I mentioned earlier, is the site where you can find out more about us and all our media is there. Um, Don't text and drive, arrive alive. And of course, keep masking up and stay safe. And we'll see you in the new week. It's the Focus Group
0: with Tim Bennett and John Nash, accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.